Do you want to stay more focused on the right goals in your life or even just figure out what the right goals are for you? Do you want clarity? Do you want better work-life balance? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Success Through Failure. Welcome to the Success Through Failure podcast, the show that reveals failure as your path to success. You'll listen to intriguing interviews with some of the most successful people on the planet and learn how their failures became a launchpad for success and how yours can too. Here's your host, former Division I All-American wrestler, former Division I head coach, speaker, and personal coach, Jim Harshaw. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, and today I bring you Eric Kapitulik. Ever since I finished my career as a Division I All-American athlete, I longed for not only the clarity of purpose that I had as an athlete, but also the accountability that comes with aspiring for big goals with a team of like-minded people. Then I discovered mastermind groups. Masterminds are small groups of like-minded people who get together either in person or over Skype or just over the phone to provide support, feedback, and advice to other members of the group. So I dove in and I learned all I could about mastermind groups and then I finally launched my own. And the change was instant. I regained the accountability of being part of a group of like-minded, hardworking individuals who hold me to a higher standard. My mastermind group helps me get feedback and advice and even validation when I'm making big, big decisions in my life. And I have clarity and focus and accountability again, just like when I was an athlete. I've now facilitated dozens of high performers in mastermind groups. I'm talking Olympians and MBAs and neurosurgeons and professional athletes and and entrepreneurs and lots of others. I've taken everything you need to know to start your own mastermind group and I put it into a short 10-page ebook titled The Quick and Easy Guide to Starting Your Own Mastermind Group in 30 Days or Less. Grab a copy of this free ebook by going to jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. That's jimharshawjr.com slash mastermind. Born and raised in Thompson, Connecticut, Eric attended the U.S. Naval Academy where he was a four-year varsity letter player on the Division I lacrosse team. Graduating in 1995, Eric went on to serve in the U.S. Marine Corps as both an infantry officer and special operations officer with First Force Reconnaissance Company, 1st Marine Division. As a platoon commander, Eric led a team of 20 covert operations specialists on numerous special forces-related missions, including long-range reconnaissance patrols, hostage rescues, high-altitude jump exercises, ship takeovers, and gas oil platform takedowns. In 1999, during a routine training mission, Eric and his platoon were in a helicopter crash that resulted in the death of seven Marines. In response to this tragedy, Eric created the Force Reconnaissance Scholarship Fund to benefit the children of his fallen men. In order to raise money for the fund, he's participated in eight Ironman triathlons, the Canadian Death Race Ultra Marathon, the Eco Challenge, the American Berkebiner Ski Marathon, and other races. Eric has also summited five of the seven summits. The seven summits are the the tallest peak on each continent, uh, including Mount Everest. He's already summited. Eric left active duty after eight years of service and received his MBA from the University of Chicago. He founded the program, CAPS, the program, in 2008 with the goal of providing both athletic and corporate teams with the best leadership development and team building services in the country. And as usual for the listener, if you don't have time to listen to this entire episode, but you hear something you like and you don't have a chance to write it down, make sure you grab your free copy of the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. Eric, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jim. I appreciate you having me on. Well, gosh, quite the bio there. Um, let's, let's, let's start from sort of where you're at now and then kind of build backwards on, on kind of how this, the, the program came to be. So tell us a little bit about the program. Yeah, thank you. The, the, the program is a team building and leadership development company. We have one mission at the program develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. That's what we do. That's our reason for being. Develop better leaders and create more cohesive teams. We do so through a belief in personal development, leadership development, and team building 
through shared adversity and that we only grow as individuals and as a team when we're outside of our comfort zone. Ten years ago, when I founded the program, uh, in year one, we worked with three collegiate men's lacrosse teams. As you read in my bio, I was fortunate enough to play college lacrosse at the Naval Academy. I, I worked with three coaches that I either played for, against, played with in the summer. And now in our 10th year in business, we work with approximately 150 different college and pro athletic teams and wow. major corporations on an annual basis. Wow. So shared adversity, why is that important? Well, for our growth as individuals and as a team, it, it's, I dare say it's not only important, it's, it's the only thing. Uh, if we're not struggling, failing and coming back and, and facing adversity as an individual and as a team, well, that means that we're staying inside of our comfort zone. And our comfort zone is what we're, we happen to be naturally talented in. The more talent we have, the bigger comfort zone we have. And the truth is, we live in an affluent enough society that we really can get away with living inside of our comfort zone, doing only those things that we happen to have a natural talent with. And the truth is, we can do, be pretty well off in life. Yeah, make enough money to afford a house, put food on the table, support our families. In our vernacular at the program, we talk about that as winning games. You can stay inside your comfort zone as long as you have enough talent and win games. But to compete for championships on whatever your chosen battlefield may be, we've got to get comfortable being uncomfortable. We must challenge ourselves and in in the affluent society that we live in here in america we're fortunate enough to live in that society you almost have to seek out opportunity you don't almost have to you have to seek out opportunities to challenge yourself physically and mentally outside your comfort zone to grow as an individual and as a team sure you know i think eric most of the listeners or i shouldn't say most i say a lot of the listeners have an athletic background at some level, you know, and, and so they, they recognize the fact, and I'm talking, I guess, right directly to the listener. I'll talk to you right now. You know that as an athlete, you have to push yourself. You had to go through pain and suffering. As a good friend of mine who was a two-time NCAA soccer player of the year, he said, Jim, if you go through enough pain and suffering, you can be good at anything, right? So, so and I, I, you know, I always thought about wrestling as a lot of pain and suffering. I didn't really sort of see outside of that, but soccer, anything, right? Anything, career, whatever it is, you want to be good, you have to go through pain and suffering, right? And, and so we see that in athletics, and then we, we graduate or we go on to the real world, and we get settled into a job and a career, and, and it's like you said, Eric, it's, it's so easy to be comfortable, especially in, our, especially in America, right? You know, the bar, like, it's pretty, it's pretty easy to skate by here and just, you know, be able to put food on the table and, um, and, and live and live well, right. Be able to not, not starve and, and, uh, be able to pay, pay the rent, right. And just get by. But mm -hmm. if we want to grow, if we want to maximize our capabilities, which we all do, there's not a single person. And certainly if there's someone, if you're listening to this podcast, you want to grow, you want to, you want to reach your fullest potential. Otherwise you, you'd be, you'd be listening to something else right now. But it's easy. It's easy to drift into that, Eric. So how do we, how do we seek that out, right? So, so, you know, in our work, it's easy to it's easy to go. Okay, when I'm working out, you know, I can push myself a little harder, right? I can, I can, uh, I can maybe set some kind of health goal. Maybe I can try to run a marathon. Whatever the case might be, right? But what about the other areas of our life? Like, how do we seek that out in our work, right? Maybe it's, maybe we have a fear of public speaking. Do we put ourselves? you know, in situations where we have to like face our fears? I mean, how do we seek that out so we can maximize who we are? Jim, I, I, I was very fortunate that my teammates and I at the program, we had the opportunity last week to work with Kansas State football. And upon completion of our training, Coach Snyder was very nice uh, with his time and gave us about an hour, just coach Snyder and myself and, and my teammates. And we were just talking and 
because I had that opportunity, I wanted to make sure that I maximized that opportunity and ask coach, coach, what, looking back on your career, there's very few of us that have football stadiums named after us, uh, that the main road going into the town that you live in is named after you, uh, that you're in the col- that you're in a hall of fame while you're still alive, let, let alone still, still doing what you do. Wow. So I wanted to have that, uh, that having that opportunity, I wanted to ma- make sure I maximized it. And I asked him, I said, Coach, looking back on your career, but not necessarily professionally, just on your life, what would you tell your 45-year-old self? I'm 45 years old now. Mm-hmm. I, what would you tell your 45-year-old self? Is there something that to, to not do? Or is there something that you did that you would really stress to say, do this, make sure you do this to your 45 year old self. And he said something that was, that I thought was very powerful, which was, it all comes down to our priorities. We all want lots of things in life. You you, you just said, you know, we all all want to, to maximize our potential. Sure we do. That's called motivation. And there's very few people in the world without motivation. We all want something. Yeah, but very few people are willing to sacrifice for it. Oh, oh, we all want it, but we're unwilling to sacrifice for it. And as Coach Snyder talked about, he said it comes down to our priorities. He said what I would suggest you do is think about what your priorities are. Write them down on a piece of paper, most important to least. And then look at that most important section priorities. and then. Stay focused on it and what you need to do every single day of your life to be the best at those priorities and just do it. We all want to be great, but that daily focus on doing those little things on a daily basis that are going to get us there. Most people lack the discipline, not the talent, but they lack the discipline to do those things that'll maximize our talents, that'll allow us to be great at what our priorities are. Yeah, I always, whenever I'm coaching youth wrestling, I always ask kids, I say, how many, how many of you want to be a state champion? They all raise their hand, right? But that's irrelevant. Right. Of course we all, of course, every single one here does, right? I mean, that, that's, that's a no-brainer, but it's like, that's not the real question. The real question is who's willing to do it, right? That's um, and I always say talent's a dime a dozen, right? Gosh, I wasn't—I was far from the least, far from the most talented wrestler, uh, so even on my my own team. And uh, but it but it takes that that work ethic, that that single minded focus. Eric, a lot of my listeners and, and guys that I coach, people that I coach, men and women, they they struggle with consistency, right? They. They have certain things they want to accomplish in their life, right? And, you know, a lot of times it's around, or I'll be honest, a lot of times it's around balance, right? It's around, you know, being healthy and physically fit. It's about, it's about also having a, a good relationship with their spouse or, or significant other. It's about, uh, it's about making more money or progressing in their career or being the best they can be in, in certain areas, right? But they, they struggle with consistency, any thoughts or tactics on, on how do we become more consistent? Yeah, so first, I guess I would use discipline as synonymous with consistency mm-hmm. because a disciplined person can, can is a consistent person. They can do those little things on a daily basis that get us to where we want to get to, wherever it is that place is. First, although I, this might sound counterintuitive to your audience, I would say lower lower your standards. And what I mean by that is most people struggle with doing whatever X is on a daily basis because X becomes unattainable because of all the teams that we're on, right? You you made mention of of athletes, and for most people, they'll think about that at the high school or collegiate level. 
and at at that age in our lives, we almost define ourselves by the sport that we play. Then you get married, you have kids, you you get involved in as a coach, you get invo- you you start your your career, you're you end up being on lots of teams. Your athletic team is not just one of them. You're on lots of teams, and in our vernacular, we talk about great teams compete for championships, and great teams are comprised of team leaders and teammates. That's all. And how can we be the best team leaders and the best teammates that we can be on every team? And getting back to our priorities, really think about okay, what do you? What are your priorities? For for me, as an example, it's first and foremost to be a great husband, be a great father. Be a great business leader at the program. Now, I've got to do certain things on a daily basis that's going to allow me to maximize all of those teams. And what I mean by lowering your standards, too many people too often will say they'll make this list of things that they want to be truly successful at. And they'll say, "Okay, well, for me to be to get there, I have to do X every single day. Well, that can work for a week or two weeks or even a month or two months, but we're on lots of teams and it ends up, whatever that X is that they decide they need to do every day, yeah, the rest of life, the rest of the teams that we're on take, they, things come up, things happen. And what I would suggest is either get off of some of those teams, say no, be, be better at saying no to some teams. Number one. Number two, those teams that you are on, realize that we've got to be the best team leaders and the best teammates on all of those teams. And to do so, until we can create a habit that it just ends up being something we're going to do habitually in life, because everything we do in life is habit forming, just have smaller habits. Don't don't have such big habits. Don't say, well, I'm going to work out for two hours every single day, say I'm going to work out for 30 minutes, 15 minutes if you need to, 10 minutes if you need to, three days a week but or four days a week. Make smaller habits, but make sure they become habitual. Because again, unless it's a habit, you will never be able to stick with it. So make those smaller habits, make sure we can do it on a day-to-day basis. And once it's become habitual, then raise that standard. And not from 10 minutes to 45 minutes, seven days a week, raise it 10 minutes to 15 minutes, 10 minutes to 12 minutes, because this isn't a destination. It's a process. And for the listener, I just recorded an episode, episode 150 on how to say no. And it has to do a lot with what Eric's talking about is knowing your priorities, knowing what's important to you. And, and the second thing that I want to reflect on that Eric just said is, is this idea that, that of lowering your standards, of actually creating rituals and habits and routines that are attainable. And then once you do that, and I've heard you talk about this before in some of your videos I saw on the internet, Eric, is like, is you can, you can incrementally build upon that. And one thing I want to share with the listeners, one of the most powerful piece of goal setting advice that I ever read or ever learned was a couple of years ago, I read this is, um, there's research done on this and, and this is a, uh, one of the most sort of impactful pieces of research on goal setting uh, that has come out in the last 50 years. And it's this idea that um, if you're trying to set some kind of routine, such as, you know, I want to work out, I don't know, four days a week. Uh, and if you miss, I think a lot of people say, well, if they miss, they just, they've, they've lost it. They've, they've fallen off and they just feel like they, they failed. Right. But it's like, but if you can say, I want to work out four days per week. And if I don't, or, and if I miss, if I miss one day, then. So having an if then statement in there. If I miss a day, then I can make it up the next week. Or, you know, I want to do such and such with my diet. And, and if I, if I, you know, have a, have a bad day or an off weekend or something like that, then if then, if I do this, then I can make it up in some other way. So sort of giving yourself an option to, to, uh, for, for those things. Like we, when you said, like, you know, the, those different teams that were on Eric, uh, they have different demands at different seasons of our lives. And, and sometimes things just come up and, and one area of our life, uh, throws everything else out of whack. You, you, you travel for work or whatever the case might be. And, uh, and we have to have ways to get back on track. So, uh, so that's good advice, Eric. 
what what do people struggle with most? Like when you let's let's talk about more about your corporate teams, right? Mm-hmm. The leaders there. What are their biggest challenges that that you've heard the leaders, the corporate leaders that that you work with? What are the biggest challenges that they bring up to you? Yeah. Well, f- first, thanks. Great question. For, first, I would say, Jim, just for your listeners, I, I bring everything back to whenever I'm talking about our corporate business where people say, well, hey, let's let's not talk about the athletic teams. Let's talk about the corporate teams with whom you work. I always highlight to, to everybody with whom we speak, you will never hear myself or anybody at the program talk about kids these days. And usually even just saying that term, kids these days, people are just expecting some negative connotation after it. You'll never hear my teammates and I say it, never. Because it's our belief that kids these days are no different than they were 20 years ago, 40 years ago, or 400 years ago. Amen. Yeah. Keep going. I love it. Who's different is us. We're different. Parents are different. Coaches are different. Teachers are different. Business leaders are different. It's not the kids these days. And I bring that up now just because you show me somebody who's a successful team leader or teammate on an athletic team, I'll show you a successful team leader or teammate on a corporate team or vice versa. And the challenges that our young people are faced with, yeah, they're the same ones that parents are faced with. I mean, let's talk about the number of times I have to hear an old person like me talk about, oh, my kid's on their phone all the time. Well, my six-year-old son and I, we go to the YMCA swimming, and what that means is we go swimming together. I don't bring him to the YMCA and then sit on the bench and look at my phone the whole time as he's out there in the water. We go swim together, and what ends up happening is about 10 minutes into us swimming together, we've got 15 kids around who all want me to throw them, push them, wrestle with them in the pool. (laughs) All their parents are sitting on the sideline looking at their phones. The same parents who are going to say, oh, my kid's on their phone all the time. Right. Where I live, believe me, not every one of those parents is a brain surgeon on call. They could get off their phones (laughs) and actually get in the pool and do it themselves. And the same challenges that our young people are faced with, yeah, their parents are as well. There's no difference. So if you talk to me about a challenge of a corporate team, uh, it would be the same challenges on a high school, a youth high school or college team as well. And that one challenge, and I think it's the toughest thing that we can do, one of the toughest things that we can do as individuals is hold our teammates accountable Mm. at any level. And by the way, I use the term teammates. You heard me talk about with my teammates at the program. We don't have coworkers. We have teammates. I feel like just that, I think words are important and they help how we think of people and I think we treat teammates better than we do a coworker. Sure. For what it's worth, I just want to make sure you understand my vernacular. But so it, it's the ability to hold our teammates accountable at any level. And in corporate America, just like on a college athletic team or a high school athletic team, it's how do we create a culture of accountability where and it's vitally important because Demanding the highest standards out of each other as teammates challenges us and forces us to get better. And using a sports analogy, either we can do that for each other Monday through Friday as teammates, or the enemy is going to demand the highest standard out of us on Saturday afternoon, but by then it's too late. Mm. Most individuals simply will not hold their teammates accountable. They just won't do it. And why won't they do it? Because it's uncomfortable for them. Getting back to, they will not get outside their comfort zone. And there's a number of reasons why it's uncomfortable to hold our teammates accountable. A, we don't truly trust our teammates. So we feel, we automatically feel that if I hold this person accountable, if I tell them, hey, look, that's just not the way we do things here. Go back. You have to do it again, basically. That person is going to respond negatively. We don't trust the person. We just think, oh, if I tell them that, they're going to be really negative. They're not going to like me. And what we're saying is being well-liked is more important than making our teammates better. 
That's what you're saying by it. And we challenge corporate teammates and college teammates and high school teammates. We challenge teammates by first teaching them that you show me a team that holds each other accountable, I'll show you a team that truly cares about each other, that truly cares about each other. Because what we're saying is you getting better is more important than my discomfort. And it sounds like that comes from, and maybe you can elaborate on this, clarity of mission and having a strong culture. Is that right? I have nothing to add to that statement. (laughs) (laughs) There's that is, that is 100% correct. Now it's hundred percent correct. And I think a lot of, a lot of organizations, I feel like they don't have that clarity of mission down, but I think, I think that's a, that's an area where a lot of places can, can improve uh, how they communicate that. But, but culture I think is important. I mean, you see it, I imagine on teams, can, can you tell about, talk about how you, how you help build culture? And maybe it's through the shared adversity, uh, but how do you build a culture? Let's say you're, you're a middle manager and I don't know what that, maybe that's a, a teacher in some, you know, in, in a school or, or a middle manager somewhere, or maybe somebody who, who's a, a leadership, a leader in some area. Maybe it's a, who knows, youth sports organization, right? And they're uh, one of the youth coaches or something like that. How do you build that? If you're, if you're part of an organization, what are the things that you can do? Because the listeners, they like to get concrete things, right? My listeners like to go, okay, I'm in, I get it. Okay, how does that look on Monday morning when I show up? How does that look like when I'm, you know, we're walking out of a meeting and the meeting was kind of blah or, or you know, people walked out without action items? Like, how do I, what's my role and how can I impact? How can I take the bull by the horns and impact culture in my organization? Yeah, pretty. Yes. So pretty broad statement. It, it does depend on your role and responsibility within that organization. But let's talk about it first from a leadership perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay. For the head coaches out there, for the managers that are out there. First of all, there's not a coach in America, there's not a manager, business leader in America that doesn't want to say, I've got a strong culture. And then we ask that manager, that head coach, business leader to say, okay, write it down. Mm-hmm. And it ends up being this very nebulous kind of, well, we try to be this and we're that. And, and, and then if you ask the members of that team, okay, well, what, what is your culture? And they write something down. Mm-hmm. Almost never. Is it exactly the same? Wow. Everybody wants to say, what well, a good test. A culture, but nobody can define it. The first things that we challenge leaders on is, yeah, define what your culture is. What are the values? And that's what it comes down to for us. What are your core values as an organization? Those core values define your culture. What are the core values in, in culture of the program? Selfless, tough, and discipline. And I challenge any of your listeners, call the program number. Call If you ever are in an airport and you see somebody wearing a, a program, and you'll always see us wearing the same uniform, a, a program black collared shirt with 5'11 shorts, and you ask them, okay, what's your culture? I challenge you. Every single one that you ever run into will tell you without hesitation, yeah, we're selfless, tough, and disciplined. And if not, call me. And you can, I'll pay you a thousand dollars because we just know it. Wow. And Powerful. first and foremost, you've got to define what your culture is. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Because you are what the, just like you are the company you keep. That's true for us in our personal lives. That's true for us as a corporation. You are what the people in your organization say you are. If you've got selfish people, you can say you've got a culture of selflessness. You're not. If you say that you're a tough or that you're disciplined, but your people are undisciplined and do undisciplined things, then all you do is have a T-shirt that says selfless, tough, and disciplined. That T-shirt doesn't make you so. Right. So first, as a leader, let's determine what our core values are. Number one. 
and then do everything we can to recruit people who share those core values. The questions that you ask, if you have, if you're able to do on the job training with that person, you know, use them as a contractor before you're able to hire them first, whatever you do and whatever the people in your organization are who are doing the hiring, everything should be based around, does this person share our core values? Because once you hire them, you are not changing someone's core values. Oh, you might be able to make a selfish person a little bit less selfish. They're still selfish. And that's true for any core value. So do everything we can to get to hire the right people for our organization. And what does it mean? What does right mean? Quote, unquote, what does right mean? Yeah, those individuals that share your core values. Now, if you are not a leader that sets the core values on the team, it's even more important for the leaders to create a culture of accountability, getting back to what we talked about earlier. And how do we create that culture of accountability? Well, first, let's determine our core values. Then determine what are the standards, the daily standards that support those core values. It's not good enough to say that we're disciplined. What's the standard, our daily standard that helps reinforce discipline, that shows our discipline to each other? As an example, at the program, it's we respond to all written communication within 24 hours. And you may say, well, I don't see how that reinforces discipline. Great, you don't have to. It's not your company. It's, it's, it's our team. <laughs> and on our team, our teammates, our teammates, I determine that we're going to be selfless, tough, and disciplined. My teammates determined, here are the standards we're going to hold each other to that helps reinforce selfless, tough, and discipline. Then they own our culture. Very few, it, it costs you no money to do that. Very few teams do so. Yeah, very few people are willing to actually set aside the time because they're too busy doing, 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 grinding, digging the hole, oftentimes in the wrong spot, or at least not in the exact right spot. And Eric, I talked to a lot of my listeners know this. Uh, they've heard me talk about this ad nauseum, probably the productive pause. It's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind. And when you do this, when you do the work to hit the pause button, determine what are your core values, what is your company culture, how do you uphold that, how do you fulfill that, when you do that work individually and as a team, you get clarity of action and peace of mind. And that's what Eric's talking about here is actually setting aside the time to do this, stopping what you're doing, stop digging the hole and do the foundational work that's going to chart the trajectory of your life and your organization's culture moving forward. So thank you for that, Eric. Can, yeah, can we, can we go back a little bit and talk a little bit about more about where this stuff came from? So, um, your military service, thank you for your service to our country. Um, you were involved in an accident, uh, in the helicopter crash. Can you share a little bit about that experience um, and sort of what has come out of that? Sure. The When I was in Force Recon in the Marine Corps, my teammates and I, we were training for an upcoming deployment to the Persian Gulf when the helicopter that myself and 10 of my Force Recon Marines, 10 of my teammates, when the helicopter that we were riding in, rather than coming in at a 60-foot hover over the ship we were practicing taking over. The helicopter came in too low and too fast, struck the side of the ship, uh, flipped over, and went into the Pacific Ocean. I was very fortunate to survive that accident. Uh, six of my 10 teammates on board the helicopter were not. I decided that I would raise money for a college scholarship fund so that should the children of my Marines and their moms, they were all men who died, uh, should the children of my 
Marines and their moms decide at some point that they would like to go to college, that they would have the financial ability to do so. And the way that I decided that I would raise money for this college scholarship fund was by competing in the world's longest endurance events, climbing the world's tallest mountains, things that I already enjoyed doing. But now I figured I could have a little bit more of a purpose while I did them. So I started raising money through my participation in these various events, which I enjoy doing. Uh, I've, I've always done them uh, historically. Now, again, I just figured I could do them for a bit more altruistic purposes. So that's one piece of, of that. Now, as I founded the program 10 years ago, as a former battalion commander once said to me, we are all a sum of our experiences. And that's a huge experience in my life. And that that accident, what led up to it, my time in the Marine Corps, certainly plays a big part of who I am as an individual to this day. So does being a husband. So does being a father now to two children. So does my time at the Naval Academy. So does my time growing up on a farm with a dad who's a policeman and a mom's a school teacher. I mean, we're all a sum of our experiences. But obviously, that is a major one in my life and has played a significant part in developing who I am as an individual. And, and now uh, I certainly speak about that accident, its aftermath, and the importance of uh, being great team leaders and being great teammates has been a part of that. And for the listener, there's uh, an incredible interview with Eric uh, during one of your one of Eric's Ironmans, where uh, where they talk about this experience, and it's just um, it's 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 worth watching. And uh, if nothing else, for for the respect of the men that were lost that day, to to hear a little bit more about that story, and I'll have a link to that interview in the action plan, just jimharshawjr.com/slash. Action for the listener. You can Google it and probably find it. Uh, it's a, there's a lot on Eric's website as well, theprogram.org. Um, we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but Eric, what uh, of all of these of all of these insane races that you've done? Was there one that was the hardest? Whether it's races or climbing Everest or, or et cetera, what, any any that stands out to you is, is that you could say is the hardest? Yeah. So Jim, I get that question a lot. <laughs> Uh, let me say this, getting back to the power of our words, because it creates a mindset for all of us. When I speak on the topic, I challenge whomever I'm speaking to, whomever I have the privilege of speaking to, that on a day-to-day basis, we do nothing in our life that's hard. Hard things, we just try to get through them. Warriors love a challenge. Because we attack challenges. Hard. Yep, I've done one thing in my life that I feel is hard. When I was in the Marine Corps, right before I got out, my commanding officer came to me and asked me if I would do him this favor. And on that particular day, I had to go home from my office. Uh, I was on a shore tour duty at the time. Uh, I left the office. I went home. I put on my dress blues. I drove about an hour and a half out to this family's home. I uh, parked a car, walked across their front lawn, up their steps, and I had to ring the doorbell, the doorbell, and then wait there uh, for the door to be answered by this mother, so I could tell her that her son had just died in Iraq. Wow. That's the only thing in my life that I've done that's hard because there was no other option. There was no, oh, I don't feel good enough today, coach. Uh, uh, that guy just doesn't know what he's talking about in the meeting or yeah, it was somehow somebody else's fault or oh, I'm not going to show up or I'm going to leave early. Nope. Uh, there was no other option. I had to do it. I had to stand there and ring the doorbell and know that when it was answered and the door opened, I was going to ruin these people's lives. And yeah, I'm not the one who pulled the trigger. I was going to be the person that ruined their life. 
And as a parent, there's no parent who's listening to this who cannot appreciate the significance and the just completely empty, overwhelming sadness when you think about having to open that door and then see me standing there. Yeah. Everything else in my life has just been a challenge. <laughs> Everything. There, there, there's nothing else in my life that I've done that's hard. Everything else has just been a challenge, and we try to attack challenges. Now, of the things in my life that I've done that I would say are most challenging, each, each is unique in its own way. You know, on, on that day in particular, when you're actually going to do something, certainly climbing a mountain is more difficult than the Ironman. Because the Ironman, you wake up in the morning, and then on average for me, I know that, well, sometime within 12 hours, I'm going to be back in this bed after having showered and had McDonald's. And typically that meant, meant Kentucky fried chicken and then a couple of large McDonald's French fries, which is my go after long races. So you know that, right? And but while you're climbing a mountain, oh boy, you, you could be there for two months and you wake up in the morning knowing, okay, well, at the end of today, I'm going to be miserable, cold, <laughs> and tired, and I'm, there's no shower, there's no McDonald's. However, <laughs> for the Ironman, you're training you know, for months and months at a time, six hours a day on your bike, just suffering. So each one is a little bit, is a little bit different. Each one is challenging in its, in its own way. And, and I would, I would hate to say that one is more difficult or more challenging than the other, because everything, all of those things are, are so, they're so challenging, but, but very different types of challenges sure. and, and that's and that's really that that's that's why i do them is uh, there one that if you had to do it over again would be is there one that you would most not want to do over again or maybe most want to do over again because it was a challenge <laughs> is there one that was just uh i mean i just i'm just looking at some of these is you know crossing a desert obviously climbing everest and iron man these ultra iron ultra marathons etc yeah well of the answer is no, because, you know, I think about my, my children, right? And if my son who's six, I mean, my daughter's 15 months old, I'm 45 years old. I mean, we waited till we were older in life to get married and start having kids. I mean, by the time my daughter's old enough to do it, I, I, I might be in a walker, right? Or a <laughs> wheelchair. Um, but, but I certainly, but if not, then it's my son and my daughter. I think with my son who's six going on seven, I might actually have a chance of doing some of these things with him as well. But in, in any event, whether it's my son or my daughter, if they said, Hey dad, let's go do this of any of the things that I've done in my life up to this point, I couldn't wait to go do it with them. Yeah. Right now that doesn't mean they have to, uh, they have to figure out their own path in life. They have to think about their own passions in life. Um, but certainly, if any of those passions are some of the things that, that I love to do, uh, I would love to do any of those things and share any of those experiences again with them uh, and, and share that. And, and at any of those experiences, <laughs> to do them, you are going to face adversity. And man, who better to face that? It, I, I've been very blessed that I've been able to face adversity on all of those things in my life that I've done with great teammates up to this point. G exceptional people, men and women. Awesome. But man, who 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 would I want to share those experiences? There's nobody I'd want to share those experiences more with than my own children. Yeah. I mean, how awesome would that be to share that adversity yeah. with them? Oh, I get it. Totally. So, Eric. I ask all of my listeners this same question. Tell us about a time you failed. You've had incredible success. Um, you've done, you've completed incredible races and, and, uh, and, and unbelievable things uh, in your career as a business person and uh, in the military. You've had all this success and we see this from the outside looking in. And um, is there a time where you can tell us where you, where you failed? Where as a result, you felt that hopelessness, that self-doubt, 
that comes from failure and how you were able to move through that? Yeah, thanks. What a great, what a great question. And I'm glad you do ask that of everyone. Um, If you're not failing, you really got to set higher goals for yourself. That's on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis. And in fact, the better job that we can do failing at little things on a daily basis, the better that we're able to attack the bigger failures that we might only face once in our life. So, yes, there's numerous things that I've failed at. Thankfully, as a public speaker, I don't get I I don't have to talk about any of them. I can just get paid to talk about people (laughs) on Everest. right? Right. But your question is a great one because those failures, although they don't define me, those failures certainly help shape me more than the successes. Mm. That's for sure. Um, let me, let me talk about, uh, so let me talk about daily failures and then maybe some big ones. Uh, certainly on a daily basis, I have certain physical nutritional goals that I have. I can't tell your listeners how often I go to bed at night and I go, God, why did you eat X? Whatever. (laughs) might be and usually by the way for me x is ice cream yeah I, some- I just broke okay. last night had ice cream it was father's day yesterday and had ice cream yeah i broke oh, it's, yeah I, i'm not even going to tell you that it's because of father's day no <laughs> ice cream is my achilles heel like so um so i have it, it is a constant battle for me with making small good decisions with nutrition with what i eat and what i drink it's, I, I, I challenge it. I fail. And then I just get up and I do the, if, if I fail, well, tomorrow's another day for me to try not to, for to, if your, if, and statement yeah, uh, if then, is, yeah. power, is, is really powerful, Jim. And, and there you're right. I just, okay, well, I failed at it today. Tomorrow, you've got another opportunity to make better choices with your nutrition. That's, that's a daily failure for me for with working out. I've worked out for so long at such a high level that it's become habitual with me. So although my workouts over the years have changed, I simply can't do at 45 what I did at 35. Um, But I still work out on a consistent basis. And because it's so emotionally and mentally powerful for me, I, I just know that it makes me a better husband. It makes me a better father. So because of that, I, I do it on a consistent basis. I tend not to fail there, although in my workouts, I certainly set high goals that I might not achieve. It's not a failure in the sense that you're talking about, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, on, on a bigger level, I've made a commitment to be the best husband that I can be. I did not have that same commitment level as a boyfriend. And it's something I wish I could do over. And it's just one of those things that uh, I wish I had been as committed to uh, while I was a boyfriend as I, as I am as a husband. And I realize now with the benefit of hindsight uh, and a little bit of maturity, um, I wasn't a very good person. And getting back to priorities and doing everything you can to reach those priorities, I wish I had done it differently. I'm glad I kind of figured it out along the way mm-hmm. um, and had some good mentorship from it, specifically from my wife. But uh, that's something I certainly, when I look back on in my life of things that I wish I had done something different, that's at the top of the list. You know, it's interesting. I'll point this out for the for listeners is this is a guy who's, you know, done incredible races um, and and probably failed at, at, at many things like anybody who's been successful. And for the listeners, they know the the more successful the person, the, the more failures we can we can talk about and the more failures they've had in their past. But but this one goes back to relationships. Right in in how important relationships are in our life, and this goes back to everything the program is about is is culture and leadership and in making organizations better, and it goes back to people. 
which is why in my program in Reveal Your Path, relationships is the first area where we set goals. Everybody wants to set goals in money and finance and career or maybe health, but we start with relationships. And that's the one that, that you shared, Eric. And I appreciate you sharing that on the show here, man. That's just, that's awesome. Uh, and and uh, I think that really resonates with the, uh, with the listener. So I appreciate that. Eric, yeah. can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about the program, where we can find you, where we can follow you, where we can learn more about Eric and, and the program? Yeah, I appreciate it. Certainly. The, the best way to learn more about the program is to check out our website, at theprogram.org. Um, no, we are not a nonprofit. Uh, we, we, we were our first three years in business, but that was more by the market making us a nonprofit than by our goal. <laughs> we are not a nonprofit with the ORG, but theprogram.com, they want to sell, I don't know, whoever owns it wants to sell it for 10 grand, and yeah. I'm not paying 10 grand for it. <laughs> so theprogram.org. Uh, you can see right when you get on the page, if you're a corporate, uh, entity, uh, you click the corporate button. If you're a collegiate entity, you click the collegiate button. And, but I can tell all your listeners that the only difference in websites is color schemes and in what we call certain services, Hmm. because back to what we talked about earlier, it's the kids these days are no different. Um, I don't know if you ever read the book Boys Adrift. I know there's a book called Girls Adrift. I, I have no, not I haven't. It. I've heard you talk about that before, though, so I'm going to write that down right now. Boys Adrift? Yeah, just just t- the book The book t- highlights, you know, what? Our, it's not about the kids these days. It's about the fact that our job as parents, coaches, teachers, and mentors is to prepare our children for the path. Hmm. Unfortunately, we live in a society of parents, first and foremost, teachers, coaches, business leaders that try to prepare the path for the child. And whether you're a corporate entity or an athletic team, who we are and what we do, we prepare the children or we prepare our clients for the path, not the path for the client. Yeah. And the way that we do so is by challenging people physically and mentally to get outside their comfort zones and grow as individuals and people. Well said. Words to live by. Eric Kapitulik, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Jim, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And for the listener, if you liked anything from that, which I'm sure you did, there's lots of good stuff there. And we're going to have all the links that that Eric just shared there, as well as the social media links, etc. We're going to have those in the action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And as always, until next time, take the time to get clear on your goals and embrace failure as a stepping stone on your path to success. 